The Outline, World Dispatch. It's Monday, July 31st, 2017. I'm John Lago-Marcino. Today on The Dispatch, Gabby Del Valle talks to Long Islanders about Donald Trump and law enforcement. He's taking it to a level where he's emboldening people to be bigots. And Adrian Jeffries talks to William Turton at DEF CON. But what I had to do was escape from two different sets of handcuffs. Here's the dispatch. Power. Gabby Del Valle. Hi. So you spent some time in the same room as the president on Friday. I did. It was very weird. Um, It was a lot of waiting and then a very brief and strange conversation. What was was the event? It was um, not really a press conference, but he gave a speech about... MS-13 and gang violence in Long Island. Together we're going to restore safety to our streets and peace to our communities. And we're going to destroy the vile criminal cartel MS-13 and many other gangs. For background, there's a pretty big presence of MS-13, which is a gang that has its roots in L.A., in Long Island. And there have been several murders over the past few years, usually of teenagers by MS-13 members who themselves are usually also teenagers. And Trump was there to address that. But his speech kind of went from topic to topic. He talked about MS-13. He called them animals and said that they're going to take them out of the country. I was reading one of these animals was caught and explaining they like to knife them and cut them and let them die slowly because that way it's more painful and they enjoy watching that much more. These are animals. Then he immediately pivoted from there to immigration and made it not just about MS-13 as the gang itself, but about immigrants more broadly. Who were the people there to see him? It was a very, very like curated group. It was police from Brentwood in Suffolk County and then just a very small audience of supporters, like no more than 60 people, I would say, and then the members of the press. And outside, there was a protest. It was pretty big at one point. During his speech, it was at its biggest, I would say a couple hundred people, and then about like 50 counter-protesters who were pro-Trump. What was the message of this event supposed to be? Well, it was about police. It was about how the Trump administration, he kept saying, like, unlike other administrations, we're here for the cops. Like Before, you guys weren't allowed to do what you want, like, what you need to do to protect this community. And now you're allowed to do it. Like when you guys put somebody in the car and you're protecting their head, you know, the way you put their hand over. Like, don't hit their head and they've just killed somebody. Don't hit their head. I said, you can take the hand away, okay? So did the president provide any concrete steps to combating MS-13 the way he wants to? He didn't really lay out any, like, specific policy plans, but he did allude to his opinion that MS-13 is allowed to flourish in sanctuary cities. So I think this is part of a bigger push to put the spotlight on sanctuary cities and blame them for gang violence and immigration problems and things of that nature. Describe those protests then. What were what was the climate out there? They were really angry. It was 
a mostly a pretty big crowd of like I would say college students um, and like young people. And they had signs about things like healthcare, like trans troops, immigration. On the pro-Trump side, there were just a, like a handful of people, and one of them had a megaphone. Go ahead, punks! Yeah, that's right. We're gonna hold you upside down and let the blood rush to your fucking head, you stupid bitch. It was really jarring. Can we arrest her for that? And there were like a bunch of little kids there, like parents with their families immigrant families, a lot of signs that were like the proud, I'm the proud child of immigrants. And there was this woman who, when we were interviewing people, we were basically about to go home and she was like, can I talk to you guys for a minute? I just want you to show like the positive side of this community. I've lived here all my life and it makes me very sad today that this community has been picked for Donald Trump to come. I mean, his, his motives are great. We do have MS-13, but they are all over. I can go to the 7-Eleven at night at 11 o'clock and I have no fear. So talking to the people there, did you get the impression that anyone thinks um, policing in the area will change as a result of this? There was one woman who... First, she was the one who said that Brentwood is not under siege by MS-13, but she did say, like, the gang needs to be dealt with in some way. I think her biggest problem with the whole thing was that we do need enforcement, but this is not the way that we should be talking about this problem or about this community. I, I feel like if you ask anyone here on this side of the fence how they felt about MS-13 or gangs, everyone is anti-gang. He's taking it to a level where he's emboldening people to be bigots. After being there with these people and with Trump, what's the message he's trying to send? And it, do you think that's the message that people are coming away with? I think what he was trying to do um, was use MS-13 as a symbol for what happens when you let immigration run rampant. And the people outside, there were a few protesters who were definitely buying into all of it. Um, a lot of people said that, like, MS-13 is definitely a problem in our community, but it's not like it's not like we're afraid to leave our homes. It's not like we're afraid to, like, go outside. And they, like, a lot of people said, like, not all immigrants are MS-13. There is an MS-13 problem, but the thing is, he can't be targeting every single Latino. But the way that he's talking about all of these things is like painting it with a really broad brush and like trying to make this label of like criminal alien apply to as many people as possible. Gabby, thanks. Thank you. We'll be right back. The future. Last week, my colleagues Adrian Jeffries and William Turton went to DEF CON, the annual gathering of hackers in Las Vegas. And while they were there, somehow William wound up handcuffed inside a plexiglass box. Here they are to tell the story. DEF CON is a very hands-on sort of event. There are regular talks and panels, but there are also a ton of contests. There's the Spot the Fed contest, where you try and figure out which attendees work for the government. There's the Capture the Flag hacking competition, and there's this sort of ongoing contest that everyone passively participates in, where you try to avoid getting hacked 
and having your personal information posted on something called the Wall of Sheep. This year, William decided to volunteer for a particularly challenging contest. It's called Mission S.E. Impossible. Uh, It might have been against my better judgment to do this, but it ultimately ended well. So this contest took place in a room called the Social Engineering Village. It's in a room tucked away in Caesar's Palace where DEF CON is hosted. And in this room, there was a stage. And on the stage, there was a plexiglass room with a chair inside and then a table with locks and handcuffs. And in front of that table, there was an array of green lasers. This was part of a competition run by a company that does consulting for uh, you know, companies and they test these company security systems by using social engineering. And this was kind of a fun competition and the scenario was that you've broken into a building, but you've gotten caught and now you're being placed in a holding cell and are trying to escape. What did you have to do with all of this stuff that was on stage? So when I was picked to compete in this competition, I was led out of the room, um, down the hallway. They didn't want me looking at what the other contestants were doing, so I wouldn't have a hint. But what I had to do was escape from two different sets of handcuffs, go and look at a laptop and try to recognize the different emotions that people would display. Um, And it was kind of shown to you very briefly, one sixteenth of a second, and the logic here was that if you could determine someone's facial expression, it would be helpful for you to socially engineer your way out of this building that you've been trapped in. After that, I had to pick a lock, um, and then I had to dive through this array of lasers without setting one off in the alarm, and then I had to pick more locks. And what does this have to do with DEF CON? I thought that was a hacking convention. So... DEF CON is a hacking invention, but this kind of stuff is all part of hacking culture. Um, Lockpicking is a big thing at a lot of hacking conferences because it kind of shares the same kind of principles as software, right? Like you have to figure out new and creative ways to break the locks, and at the same time, the people making the locks are trying to make it increasingly harder to break them. While it's not necessarily software, uh, it's the kind of stuff that hackers love. Okay, so when you told me that you were going to participate, that you were one of 16 people out of like 128 people who applied or volunteered, I got really anxious for you because I didn't know what your skill level was with lockpicking and had no idea if you were going to be able to get out. I appreciate your support. Um, As we were being led away from the contest area and into this holding room, I was asking the other contestants, so uh, have you done anything like this before? What's your skill level with picking locks? Um, It was nice to know that some people were just as bad as me, but I was shocked at my ability to shim out of these handcuffs and actually break one of the locks. Yeah, I was really very proud watching from the audience. I told everybody sitting around me that you didn't know what you're doing (laughs) and that you had been peer pressured into doing it. And uh, so we were all very excited when you were able to get out of the handcuffs. And for a while, you were making really good time. Yes, that's true. For a while, I was making great time. And I was like, this can't, you know, this is too good to be true. Um, But for a second, I was doing really well. Um, I had gotten out of the handcuffs. I got a great score in the facial recognition quiz. Uh, I picked a lock on like my first try. I used baby powder to expose these green lasers and slid underneath without setting off the alarm. Um, But then I got to the final two locks. 
And that's what defeated you. It is what defeated me. So in this contest, you can call on a lifeline. And I called on my lifeline. And out of nowhere, this man with a beard, cargo shorts, and a lime green t-shirt came to assist me. And he uh, was instantly flummoxed by the lock that I was also struggling with. Um, And he actually burned up a lot of my time. Uh, He tried to pick the second lock, was unsuccessful. And then I decided, you know, if anyone was going to fail this competition, it was going to be my fault. So I took the reins back with a lock pick rather and tried to pick the final two locks uh, only to fail. Well, I'm still really excited and proud that you were able to make it that far. I thought it was a cool experience. It's like this conference is all about understanding the system kind of by breaking it and figuring out how to get around it and circumvent it. And um, yeah, it's kind of like an unusual thing that you don't get to do every day. Right. And I appreciated the support from the crowd. That really made it a lot better. That concludes The Dispatch. This week is just getting started, so we have three more episodes coming up this week. You can subscribe on Google Play, Amazon Alexa, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm John Lagomarsino. More stories tomorrow morning.